0: Are you in your 40s, approaching your 40s, past your 40s, and wondering, what the F is happening to my body, in my relationships, with my family, in my career, generally all the things? If so, then you're in the right place. We're your hosts. I'm Beth. And I'm Dana. We're here to bring people together
1: to explore and have real, raw conversation about being 40-ish. So welcome to What the 40-ish, a podcast. Hello everybody, welcome back to what Forty-ish. <laughs> it has uh, been a couple weeks since we have launched anything, but Christmas and the holidays kind of got in the way. And then Beth decided to get COVID. Yeah, um sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we took some time off, but we are back. So Beth's voice sounds a little bit rough, but she's doing fine. Her uh, she said she was she she's been vaccinated, but you know people are still getting it right now. Yeah. I don't
0: know about where, you, where were you listening from, but Virginia is nuts right now. And especially in my County, it just seems like it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. And it doesn't matter. doesn't seem to matter if you're vaccinated or not. So, um, thankfully for me, it wasn't too terribly bad, but, um, it's taking me a little bit longer to get over than I was hoping. So my daughter was, had it also, and was better in a day, but yeah, that's
1: good. My brother, he's the luxury of youth. <laughs> yeah, I well we just got our boosters. So but we were at my brother sounds like he might have it. I don't I'm not really sure, but he uh we were around him at Christmas and he started feeling bad like the day after. But none of us have come down with anything. So hopefully we're all okay and
2: fingers crossed. And
1: yeah, it's it's crazy. So we are back. Happy 2022. I do have to give a shout out to Betty White, who I am so sad she passed away. But I was cracking up. I was like, you know what? She just didn't want to make 2022 shitty. She's like, I'm going to go 2021. I don't want to ruin it for everybody else. Um, But damn, 99 years old, almost 100. So like all the magazine
0: covers have the hundred year celebration. I like, know the day after I got my people magazine, it was like Betty white turns 100. And I was like, God, this is sucky timing.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel like it's just like a continuation of her joke, joking personality, like mm-hmm. Haha, I'm going to get you guys. And then I was reading today that they said she, she passed in her sleep, which I'm like, that's amazing. That's yeah. You know, best way to go. She deserved know, right? it. She deserved mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, and if we get a dog, like I'm, you know, I'm trying to beg my husband to let us get a dog. I'm like, if I get a female dog, I might have to name her Betty White. Like,
2: that would
1: be the cutest name for a dog, little Betty White. <laughs> so, anyway, so we're glad we are back and we are all healthy and we have we have a super awesome guest today. Her name is Kara Rodenbush. She she has her own podcast. What's Uh, It's called "What's Up with Your Stuff" conversations on the consequences of clutter. Um, So she's a she's a a massage therapist, a licensed massage therapist. She's been for several, many, many. I think it was like twenty years or something. Twenty
2: years, twenty years.
1: But she also is a um, she's also done declutter. I don't. What do you call that? What do you call?
2: Uh, Well, that's so funny that you. Well, professional organizer or organizing consultant but yes I when I started doing the work it didn't have a name and so uh, I had to wait until other people were writing books detailing what I was doing to find out what they were calling themselves to actually have a recognizable uh, job title for it.
1: How long have you been doing both of the these things?
2: Well, I started organizing in New York city in about 25 years ago and, uh, moved to Portland, Oregon in the fall. I'm sorry, in January of 2001. So it, after I completed my massage licensure and had just started that work, um, I went back a couple of times back and forth to New York and would work with clients that I had worked with before And took on some new clients as well while I was there. But I had noticed that in that time, my approach towards organizing had, I began to realize that my internal dialogue when I was doing massage and my internal dialogue when I was organizing were very similar. The questions that I was asking myself as to... Uh, how something was functioning inside of its allotted space. I'd just be like, you know, oh, what's this doing here? Hmm. What happens when I, you know, like, why do you have this here? I'm not judging you for the way that your shoulder is not moving, but this, (laughs) if I, if I like go through the outlines and like explore the boundaries of the container it's pretty evident that you're trying to stuff 10 pounds of shit into a five pound bag here. And it was this very like, what, what not, what do you need and not need so much is like, what is this serving its function in this location? Do we have, are we, what happens in bodies a lot of times when we uh, have a a muscle that will go out, our body and its infinite wisdom has all these other accessory muscles that it's not their primary job to serve the function of getting your shoulder like this, but if the, the rotator is not functioning properly, all these other muscles will be recruited to assist. And then it just kind of makes that like hop along that pitch in your get along, as my mom would say, like whatever the thing is, that same thing would happen in environments when things were where they didn't belong. It would interrupt the flow of energy in the space. So I would notice that my conversation started to shift a lot. And then it was after meeting somebody and working with them in their home in New York, I had met them out in Oregon. uh, And when I came back to New York, I went to become uh to help him and his wife in their space and this was the first person although I had worked with people who had some clutter like I would say hoarding wasn't a thing at that time it wasn't they didn't have tv shows about it it was not a diagnosable illness at that time it was just people had too much stuff and then they had way too much stuff I had dealt with people that had too much stuff and way too much stuff but this guy had goat trails through his space and like you would have to climb over things to get to it was like like nothing I had ever seen before like hoarders like this show Yeah, beyond it was it was hoarders it was as bad as any like any time I watched that show kind of like almost like addictively and I have never seen anyone who was any worse off than he was that I mean it's all basically in line with as bad as I've ever seen on that show
1: Was this Um, in an apartment in New
2: York? It was, it was above Tom's diner. It was above that iconic. That's uh, the diner. That is the Seinfeld front, the Suzanne Vega song. And um, they lived above it. And so when I walked up and I was ready to show up for this job, I was like, sweet. I feel like I'm making history. Then I walked in and it was just like, oh, 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 I'm okay. And then. The process of dealing with him and trying to separate him from his belongings made it very apparent very quickly that it had nothing to do with the stuff and that nothing was going to move and nothing was going to go, that there were several defense mechanisms buried inside all of this and then when the the one room that I really was able to make progress in, it was the first room I started on, it was in New York City. So I started in the bathroom because it's like mostly tile and it's like this big yeah. postage stamp. So I went in there and went to town. It got everything together. And when I went through the medicine, I mean it wasn't just medicine cabinet, it was just like things, bags of things, everything stacked everywhere. Over and over again, all I kept finding were digestive aids. And um, like elimination aids and skin topical skin creams for skin conditions. And so having had the awareness a, a lot more of a kinesthetic and an anatomy and physiology awareness after having finished massage school, I was just like, this guy's not eliminating anything. Like nothing's moving. He's, he's taking things to facilitate the movement of stuff through his body. And it's so toxic that he has to put cream on it to like, it was just treating so many symptoms. Everything he had was treating symptoms and it was just all the same root cause. And it was realizing that number one, this was completely out of my scope of practice. It was completely out of my ballpark. I was not, I, and, and then the conversation that I had with his wife and seeing how desperate she was for any kind of, uh, hands. When I walked into his apartment that first time, it was the first time that anyone had been in his space three, that three people had been in his space at the same time himself, his wife and me since 1989. And this yep. was in 2003, 2004. So anyway, that was when I first really started to put it together. And then I, a lot of the work that I would do, Also, um, in my massage career, I, I sort of found my niche in prenatal and postpartum massage, and then even deeper into prenatal and postpartum grief massage and grief massage. And then seeing the way that, that literally that grief and trauma shows up in the tissues, it changes the texture of the tissues And then it changes an individual's ability to process the belongings that are wrapped up in the trauma. It just, it just, it's such a, it's so layered. There's so much going on there. And, and the fact that people are immediately impacted when they pick up something of sentimental value and it can just like completely, you know, people will say like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. And it's like, it's not about the stuff. It's, it's about something that is so much deeper than that. So you really have to sit with folks and the same thing with, with body work. Like it's my goal to show my clients that they already have all the answers that they seek. And even in the body that you have is the perfect vehicle for your body in this moment, wherever it is however you wake up in it, it's the message is for you inside here. And like everything we need is like right here, as long as we can draw a breath. And then everything else is, it's addressing an an external need. But as long as we're here and drawing breath, this is where it has to start. And so the work that I do with people has a lot to do with helping them It starts with the mindset shift of like, what are you trying to accomplish in your space? What is it? And what's the story that you want to tell? And a lot of it also has to do with, I mean, this part can get a little bit grim, but it's like, if you were to die in your sleep or get hit by a bus, what's going to happen to your stuff? What do you want done with your stuff? Because all these things that are so precious to you are either going to become a burden for somebody else to have to process while they are attempting to grieve the loss of their beloved or their, whatever it is. It's, it's like adding this sort of insult to injury and by the same token, you don't want to deprive the people that are still here after you've passed on of the joy of spending time with you through the relationship with what you leave behind. So it's like, what's the story that you're creating so that, so that you're leaving behind a legacy and not a, mess Uh, yeah a A nightmare a nightmare there's there's
1: some country i can't i think it's like switzerland or sweden you've probably heard of or they do the death cleaning the dental
2: art of swedish death cleaning yes Yes. and that's that's, a lot of this it's so amazing but people uh, americans don't want to hear the word death in cleaning like don't don't talk to me about death like americans want to like hang on to this like idea that we're somehow immutable and, and invincible and it's really difficult to think about not being here. But to me, it's not about thinking about not being here. It's thinking about like being here forever. Like how do you curate your story so that when people are like, Oh, like, you know, that, you know, these pictures, this box of pictures is going on to this person. Cause they actually care about what's in this box and you can, you know, have your yeah. stuff pretty much sorted and inventoried in such a way that it's available for people to enjoy the story of what you're leaving behind, and that's all like that's it's a lifetime thing, right? So that's why this one that Swedish woman, her name's Margaret Magnuson. she wrote that book at 88. Like, listen, I've cleaned up after parents, siblings, partners, children, all my relatives, community members. And this is what I, this is what I'm specifically doing with my home so that when people walk in, it's just like beautiful museum of me. Right. So that's a nice ideal, but we have, I have kids. I have a husband. Yeah. Yeah. They don't feel that way. It becomes a whole different thing in your own life, but that's what I really love to. So I do, I do try to, you know, I, I work on it in my own home constantly and much to the chagrin of the rest of my family, but that's the work that I love to do with other people who are actually ready to do it by acknowledging that, that your body is an amazing thing that will do whatever you ask of it. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful vehicle. And then how do we kind of keep the stuff in our space, how do we move through it? How do those piles that aren't inventoried in our experience wind up being, um, this running internal dialogue of things that we haven't done or that we're not good at. We haven't completed this task. We have to take care of these things. And those unmade decisions wind up manifesting inside the physical body. And and by the time it shows up on the table as a massage therapist, I'm like, do we got to go all the way back to the source and get in there? And like it's really starts with being super patient and loving and gentle with yourself. And it's so uh, boring and ridiculous that that is always the answer that everybody comes back to. Like, <laughs> yeah, take Be a deep breath to relax. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's not what people want to hear. But the truth is, the mess is not about the mess. The, the, Not making time for self-care is not about not having time or resources to make time for yourself. It's, it's about so much more than that. And it's like, so the conversation gets a lot deeper, really fast. Like when I'm telling somebody, they say like, uh, I don't want, I don't like this sweater and it's like, okay, well let's put it in the giveaway bag. And they're like, I can't give it away. Why can't you give it away? I, well, uh, because my mother-in-law gave it to me and I know that she, uh, has never liked me and she's never really given me anything except this sweater. And I don't necessarily like it. And she doesn't like me, but I feel like it's the only nice thing she's ever done for me. And so it's like, when you start teasing that apart and just being like, okay, what, how much of this energy do you want to take into your future? If it's a, why would you, want to keep a reminder of the fact that you don't have a good relationship with this person but you're still beholden to them. And so I'm just gonna keep reflecting back to you what I hear you saying and we're gonna keep talking about what that looks like. And the same thing will happen on the you know on the massage table people are just like they're just like there are certain boxes that I know when someone's laying down on the table that we're not going to go into that box today. Because as soon as I get close to it, they're like seizing up and it's like, oh, okay, I got to smooth this stuff out and make lots of space over here with everything else so that this part feels like it can be coaxed out of its like, so it's just like, like establishing the boundaries of the container and then sitting with the client finding their boundaries and not necessarily pushing them, just reflecting them back and hanging out there, really hanging out at the edge. And then the client will move inside their comfort zone to create more space. You just find that there, as long as there's motion, there's progress. And it's, it's just, it's, it's just so fascinating to me.
1: So have you had clients on both ends, like that you've organized and massaged and like, have you noticed, like working with, you know, getting rid of the clutter that their body, you know, releases.
2: Yes. So yes, completely. I mean, just think about how it feels when you dump a load off at a donation center or yeah. when you're oh, like yeah. dumping it. You literally feel like this weight has been lifted off your chest. It's like you're driving away. Whew. Like it's just like I have bags, yeah. I have
1: bags, like and have- I'm like, I'm gonna have a yard sale. I'm gonna just sell it, and then and I'm like, uh, when am I ever gonna do this yard sale? I'm never gonna do it. I'm like, I should just go get rid of
0: it. Just get rid of yeah. it. You know? So I have a really bad habit of making sure that everything else in the house, I clean everything else first, and and my bedroom always comes last. My my bedroom, my space always comes last. So I make sure everything else in the house is clean first. And so sometimes just because of being busy in the past, I mean, I have more time now, but it would be like months, you know, before I could really concentrate on my bedroom. And at that point I'm like looking at it and like, I don't like a cluttered space. So like when I go into it, it would make me not feel very comfortable. So like when I finally would, would dedicate the time to do it, um, I noticed I slept better you know, I, I felt better in my space. I felt more organized. I mean, I think goes without saying, when you clean your room and you feel more organized, but so I've gotten in a habit recently of just making sure when I leave in the morning, I don't care if it makes me like a couple minutes late making my bed, <clears throat> picking up, wrapping
2: like, a present for yourself to open yeah. later. like you're yeah. really giving yourself a gift to open at the end of your hard day to say like, and and when you can do that with that intention. And I mean, it doesn't, you know, I would say I I'm about like a five out of seven kind of gal, like, you know, about two days out of the week, I'm like, don't bother me. But the other five, I try to maintain It's like all about consistency, not intensity. Right. Because it's never going to get all the way there, but it's this weird, like, why do we it's like a weird punishment that you would do to yourself to not take care of the place where you retreat and re- rejoin the world mm-hmm. every day, you know. And it's like, if you can create, if we can do that, just create a sweet space to wake up into and wake up and just say thank you. I mean, it's not like it's an immediate shift, but I'm telling you what, it's that. It's amazing what it does for the rest of your life. Like it, when you just spend that, that time treating yourself, like you deserve to be treated, like you would treat a guest in your home, mm-hmm. like it, and it's not, it's that like, we deserve to be taken care of that way. And I think a lot of times as the moms, as the wives or the partners, just even as the, 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 female identifying part of the species we wind up with the lion's share of the emotional labor of the rest of the experience for everybody else and so the needs can completely fall to the end of it so it's like when people are like I don't even know where to start start by making your bed start by making your bed start by taking your a shower and then like I I have my goal moving forward through, and we'll see how long it lasts. It could be like another week or it could be mm-hmm. by the end of today. But if I can fold the clothes when they come out of the dryer, <laughs>
1: then you're a witch. Then you're a witch. If you right. can be- <laughs> But I mean,
2: think about literally how much time that saves you in the course of the rest of your day or week or in our case, like multiple weeks, <laughs> we- there's a, the, the tables in the laundry room, if that doesn't happen, they become the laundry churning station where we're just like, I'm just like, <laughs> I just like stick my hand in and keep pulling out socks until, and just throwing one at a time in this direction. Like I just find, give me a pair, just one pair. I
1: know. It's
2: like it doesn't ever happen, but if I can just do it as soon as it comes out of the dryer, it's kind of, it, to me, it's the, it's tantamount to going to a restaurant and having $10 and ordering $10 worth of food and telling the server like sorry i have $10 i'm eating $10 of food no if you are ordering at a restaurant you're like okay i'll get the $8 sandwich so my server can have a couple bucks you know like that to me that that couple bucks is just like folding it as soon as it comes out of the dryer as opposed to like completely shortchanging the server of the, like, if we can just get it all done now, and then hopefully we'll extend that to other areas of the home. And I don't know, it happens slowly,
0: especially when you're running the household and everybody's doing their own thing. Yeah.
1: It's awful. Laundry is the worst thing in the world. Laundry
0: is the worst. And I have a, and I have a really, I'm telling you guys all my bad habits right now. I have a really bad habit of, um, restarting the dryer because it's been too long. So I want them to like de-wrinkle. So I'll (laughs) start the dryer and then I'll get busy doing something else and then completely forget again. So there's been times, admittedly, that I've turned that dryer back on like four or five times.
1: Hey, that's that's not that washer. I've pulled them out of the
0: washer and I'm like, I've been in there for a day or two. I'm like,
1: okay, wait, do they stink? Do I got to rewash it? Which I should, but you know, a load
2: of vinegar and baking soda is going to have to kick this one. And yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: Laundry is the worst. It's the worst. So I want to hear like a story about a client that you worked on with both of these, you know, that you were massaging and was that had to be decluttered.
2: Yes. Well, I have a wonderful woman that I'm working with now, who is an actress that she's 75. She's a glorious English grand dame. Like this woman is like, she just reminds me of like, you know, Helen Mirren or like, just like sexy lady with decades worth of amazing fashion. And she still to this day can fit into 95% of it. And she's like, oh darling, I'm never going to have another one of these again. I'm like, where are you going to wear it? Yeah, And it's like having these sorts of conversations with her and getting her to focus on what she actually, like, you don't have to let go of it, but you need to make sure that it's being cared for at the other end. But still we managed to get so much motion out of her, like stuff moving through her body. And I see her as a massage client every other week, once a month. And it's just, the more frequently I work on her body, the easier it is for her to let go of the things is another part of it is like the better care that you're taking of your own self, the less necessary, all the distractions seem to be, or the more focused you can be in your present vehicle, the less necessary. The identity clutter of your history is that says I was all these things. I have been all these things. Like it, 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 you can sort of relegate it. It has a lot to do with just sort of accepting where you are right now. Another thing is like when folks have, I have clients that might um, be hanging on to garments because they fluctuate in size and they don't know what to let go of and what to keep. I'm like, only keep what you can put on and walk out of the house in feeling good about yourself today. And if that's just three outfits, fine, get rid of the rest of the outfits. Don't put yourself in stuff that makes you feel less than to show up to like an appointment with me where I'm trying to make you feel everything you can be. So it's like, Until you can accept it, and even with a a situation where there's a lot of extreme clutter, it's part of why I'm talking about like how the mindset piece is the first thing you have to sit inside of it and be okay with the fact that it's gotten out of hand. Because if you can't accept the situation as it is right now, it's not going to change, like, you're it's it's like it's not going to change. Um because of denial. It's not going to change because somebody came in and took care of it for you. It's just going to come right back. So it has a lot to do with walking them through step-by-step step the process of oh it. it oh, stop. Oh, Is Siri. My watch starts talking to me if I say <laughs> anything.
1: That's okay.
2: Um, so yeah. And then the, the way that I would see it show up negatively is that the, the more stuff that I see people hanging onto in their spaces, the more I can see it in their bodies. And for women in a lot of ways, it'll wind up being uh connective tissue restriction that like the bag in which we're holding our belongings, like our, our purse is going to split at the seams. Like it's there's a lot of that in the tissue. Like, like it's got a a texture to it. So it's a, I don't know if that answers your question, but it is, it's pretty, the transformations are that, that, that sense of intention about moving through your space or your world inside this body begins to shift on in a ripple effect. You can't just like, if you're taking constant care of yourself and really focusing on your wellness. And, and, and yes, I'm going to also say that this is, it all sounds really like privileged, honestly, like it's not, not everybody can go get massage once a week or once a month or once every three months, but it doesn't have to be massage. It can just be whatever you need to do to care for yourself and to feel nurtured inside of a space will really help to kind of drop the scales from the eyes of what all the extra stuff is doing there. A lot of times it's just like a distraction from the fact that we just need to sit with ourselves for a minute, like focus in on our breath and just be present in our space. It's a, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's vibrational. I like to say it's like a holographic experience. Yeah, And if I can Oh, go ahead. I
1: was gonna say, I think it's just, it's hard. I it's hard for people to get um, get to that point, uh, unless you have somebody guiding you along. But to get to that point of, let me take a moment for myself. I mean, I hear we've all heard it forever. Take a moment for yourself. Well, maybe not forever, but for maybe the, like the last fifteen years, we've heard it. Take a moment for yourself. Breathe you know, do something for yourself, you know, refocus on you instead of always focusing on everybody around you, which us as we're all moms on here. So we all focus on the people around us before we focus, you know, before we do some self-care. But I feel like that's a hard thing to do for a lot of women is to take that time. It feels greedy. It also feels uncomfortable and weird, you know? So like saying that, like, so for somebody, you know, I mean, I've done yoga. I've done, I've tried to meditate. I, I hear people talking about how amazing it is. And, you know, and, and everybody does say at the beginning, it feels really weird. They're like, just go through it. So, all right. You're like, you're like foaming at the mouth. here. I got it because you know what? I got a hack. This is my hack. Hack Okay. I,
2: I, I do not. no, I don't like to be quiet. I don't like to sit still. I don't like to don't, that is like the worst thing for me. So that what you're saying, like, Oh, people say it's good for you. People say blah, blah, blah. I was like, I no way I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then, so this, my other, I have that, the other voice comes in and is like, my my grown up the actual adult in my brain because I do have one I just usually keep her bound and gagged because she's so freaking annoying and she keeps <laughs> me from doing the fun stuff but she uh, she'll sit down and be like I know you don't want to meditate honey but you like candles will you light a candle and look at the flame for five minutes while I tell you how awesome you are and I was like uh, okay uh, fine so I did I did I did this was like right about let's say the middle of October when this part of the journey was beginning, this podcasting journey for me, um, I was like, I'm going to try this. And it was so refreshing. And I went downstairs. I had a great day with my family. I wasn't snippy. I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting. And then um, I kept Doing that with the candle for like five minutes, like about, you know, a couple of, and then I said, I woke up one morning and, uh, hit the snooze button, but lighted, lit the candle and rolled out of bed and sat there and watched the candle. And I was like, wow, this is great. But then I was still like, yeah, but it's still, then I thought to myself, what if I find meditations that work for me? Spotify is full of them, all different people, all different types, all, whatever, I'm still going to snooze, but I'm going to lay in bed and do it first thing in the morning. I'm not moving out of my bed. I just roll over. And instead of hitting the snooze button, I hit play on my Spotify app and I roll back over and I lay down and I sleep for 20 more minutes while somebody tells me what a great day I'm going to have. And then it's like, okay, it's time to wake up. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. And I feel like I just figured something out that was like, okay, I can do that. I can snooze twice in a row while people tell me nice things, but I can't meditate. I'm not going to sit there like Om Shanti cross-legged for 20 minutes. I'm going to just be like, man, bored. So, but it still has the same, my brain doesn't know the difference, you know, and it's freaking awesome. So I highly recommend uh finding a meditation that you can just ignore while you're waking up you don't have to let anybody be the boss of you but just see what it feels like to have somebody whisper sweet nothings in your ear you don't even have to move out of your bed and
1: just see i like that yeah i think i could do that i think i could do that maybe i could do that with my my daughter she's (laughs) she's always my old my youngest has always been into breathing like some one of her preschool teachers you know would breathe with her because then she'd lay in bed she'd mommy can we do the breathing thing I'm like yeah I'll breathe with you because uh you know in theater you do it a lot you do a lot of breathing exercises so um but I'm like you know getting her up in the morning to go to school is the worst thing in the whole wide world like it's horrible but maybe I could do that just bring my phone in there she and I can just lay there in her bed and just meditate and then maybe she'll make straight A's and so we can get a dog <laughs>
2: they have one they have ones for teens for young meditators they have really and it's so sweet it's like it's amazing how the kids respond to that kind of stuff too like sleep stories like after like on a rough night when I'm like I know I'm supposed to be reading to you but I don't know, how about we find somebody to like tell really
1: sweet stories
2: (laughs) and they're out. And I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) So yeah, but that like, let technology be your friend. It's those little hacks. I think that's part of the, the wonder of, of having a little meditation
0: coach in your pocket. Kira, it's, uh, it's funny because when I listen to your podcast, um, and I heard your intro and your voice, I was like, I bet you, she, she meditates and does yoga. And like, cause you just have this very calming, like very smooth voice. And I was like, I could just listen to her all day just because your voice is so calming. And, and I, I, I just assumed you were, you know, like some kind of meditation guru or something like that. Just listen you. to your voice. Yeah, well, that's the that's the theater
2: background that I share with you, Dana. It's like, uh, no, but um, that my friends call that my massage Kira voice. They're like, "Oh, massage Kira is here to play." It's like <laughs> I can't when I'm in the studio. You know, when I'm in a massage space, it's. But overall, my regular speaking voice is a lot uh, more <laughs> bouncy and loud. But I do like to drop it down there every once in a while.
1: Yeah, you do like your kids stay different, right? They're like, yeah, right. "Who's this?" Yeah, you have a nice, you do have a lovely voice. I I think Beth has a good voice. When I listened back on our our step, I was like, "Oh, my voice!" And Beth's like, "My everybody, you know, everybody hates what they hear. Whatever." Yeah,
2: we don't like how we sound. It's it's that whole thing, right? It's just trying to get comfortable with how that that when how we see ourselves and how other people see us. It's like it's really hard to make those things match up and to feel like that you're really uh, that people are picking up what you're laying down the way you want to. And it's like, Oh gosh, well, it's nice to hear it sounds better than it does to me. Yeah. And guys both sound great. I saw.
1: Oh, thanks. Okay. So you did, you gave us a little hack on like meditation. So what's your hack on, you know, I think for the majority of us, we have some clutter. We probably, I don't know what the percentage of hoarders are out there. Um, But I would say for the average person who has some clutter, and it's overwhelming. Like, I know I have way too many clothes and I'm, I am that person that I have clothes and like all the sizes and I can't, I can literally probably fit into three outfits I have right now, but I'm like, eh, I'm going to get into that. So I am that person, but what's your, what's your hack? Cause it gets overwhelming. Like, right. Oh man. You know?
2: Well, the first thing is, uh, okay. So this is one that I actually picked up from a different organizer. Her name is Cass Aronson. Um, and Cassandra Arson is her name, I'm sorry. And she is uh, the clutter bug is her thing. But she says, put all your clothes, hang them the opposite way on the rack so that they're facing you. And then whatever you're wearing, after you've hung it up to put it back out of the laundry or after wearing it or whatever, put it back the regular way that you would normally hang something up. Then, after three, six months, whatever, look at how many things are still facing you and get real with yourself. Like it's, and, it, and I think this is the other thing about being sort of gentle with yourself at the outset is that expecting that it's all going to be different all at once is not Like that idea of like turning on over a new leaf and it's all gonna, that's not realistic because the we, when we are at our best and on our game and doing all the things and checking off everything on the list, that's great for then. And then you hit a bump or somebody gets sick or the bottom falls out of everything and you are wiped clean. You're sent sideways. So I get really uh, frustrated with this idea of like, do it once and you'll never have to do it again. That's bull crap. Like If anything, this life has taught me that whatever the lesson I think I've learned is, is going to be coming right back around to bite me in the ass pretty quickly. So I'm trying to be really like, we're just going to meet today where it is. So with that said, when I walk up to a sink full of dirty dishes and my brain starts to kick into overdrive and says like, all of this is, these are all the signs that you're an idiot and that you can't get it all done today. I have to tell myself, like in real time, catch myself (laughs) with the same woman that sits and says, "Go sit down and look at the candle. I'll say, these are all signs that your family is fed and that we have the blessing of a bounty of food in our home. And there are no grumbling bellies in this house right now. That is a great blessing. And then just start to as boring and dorky as it sounds meditating on the process of wiping like this bowl that fed my family what oh it just came from the goodwill okay so even before i came to the goodwill it was feeding we have no idea how many wonderful people how many people is it fed since it's entered my home how many hands were present in the original manufacture and shipping of this thing how many people have touched this item that is sitting here in my, like, this is nurturing my family and the people I love. This is warm water. It's right here in the tap. I can like, there's so much to be grateful for in a sink full of dirty dishes. If you can eliminate the negative self-talk and start to view it as an exercise in mindfulness. And then it's like self-care. Self-care is silencing the voice that's telling you that you're not doing it right or that you could be doing it better, or that somebody's got it better than you have it, or that you should, you have it better than everybody else. And you should like, shut up. Let me wash the freaking dishes. That is a big part of it. And then the other beyond that sense of like mindfulness around those exercises is like being aware that just because you've done something up a certain way up until a certain point, i.e. drop the dirty dishes in the sink doesn't mean you have to keep doing it that way moving forward. So if I can walk up and wash one or two bowls and walk away and don't even get to it, I still have two less bowls than were in there when I walked up and whatever bowl I'm setting down is not going to get put on top of it. It's going to get rinsed and washed and put away because my habit is now to rinse and wash it and put it away. And then through leading by that example, we can't always enforce these rules in the rest of our house. That whole, my way or the highway is not fun. If you're a parent or if you're a roommate, or if you're cohabitating with anybody there's, and, and getting everybody to agree on the same basic contract is like, even if you can, in theory, cause I did live on a commune and I gave birth to my first daughter in a commune when you have a bunch of people who say they all believe the same thing, it's not necessarily a good thing. So like, there's always going to be like range, like even in a group of people who all say, yeah, we're going to agree to maintain things exactly like this. Each individual ultimately starts to think that they have the best way of doing things. And it's going to kick everything else into a sense of like, you just kind of have to find the routine that's going to work for you and make sure that, if it's your job to control the flow of the whole house and you can do that and get people to fall into line, that's awesome. And it's like, I have to kind of choose my battles. I think that's a big one that, and one of those battles was that while the kids are under the age of five, I have to deal with the fact that four to five days out of the week, it's going to look like a frat party in my house. Like it's just gonna, and, and I have to be okay with that. And all of my perfectionist tendencies and all of my fear of judgment from all the people who aren't coming over because we're in the middle of a global pandemic can just sit back there on the back burner. I don't have to be responsible for their judgment. Like I get to show up and, and like, so as long as I'm okay with the level of it or the other people in the house are okay with the level of it, it's really nobody else's business. So that's the other thing I'm always is like, examine what's that voice in your head that's telling you what are the standards? Sure there are some uh, external factors that we can all say we agree. But for me, how to combat clutter is to look at, don't think about what you don't need. Only think about the actual things that you need. Like in a basic bedroom, you need the bed. If depending on when your house was built and what kinds of built-ins are available. Like I live in a 1911 craftsman and in my kitchen, there's nothing. Like it, it's like, I had to create shelving out of different units and things because people in 1911 had a freaking pie safe or something, or like an <laughs> ice box. Yeah, They didn't have like, you know, it's like, there's no closet space because people had wardrobes yeah. and bureaus and things. So determining like living in an old school house has really kind of helped me get minimalistic about a lot of things and, and, and getting really intentional about what goes where. Because uh, it's not designed for all the stuff of the modern family.
1: Yes, I start agree. with what you start
2: with what you need, really. And this is a little story that I tell all the time. But really, what blew my mind, and wh- this is where I start. Um, at the Smithsonian Institute, there I the one display that caught my eye more than anything when I was traveling cross country to go from Texas to New York City to start my. Twenty-something fabulous life was a mock-up of a Buddhist monk's cell, and inside that cell was a bedroll, a cushion, a low table desk thing, a candle, a parchment, and a quill. I just, just like it blew my, my mind. Just sat there thinking, like, what do you need? It's not here, and whatever it is, just write it down. Go meditate. <laughs> I don't go know to if I could do that. That's- <laughs> Right, well, why not I
1: know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> But like that, it's like when you look at like when all your needs are being met outside of whatever your comfort zone is like, look around your space and think, what is the story that I want to tell? And then just allow the, this is my number one trick that I do when I'm like, okay, it's got to change right now. I put on that old CNC music factory song things that make you go, uh, and I grab a garbage bag and I race through my house. And if it makes me go, uh, like it goes in the bag and that bag gets that, that process happens once every two weeks. Damn. I make up my own lyrics about, and if it makes me go, uh, and who knows, it could be uh, an empty to-go cup that has found its way under the couch. It could be like any number of things—a half-eaten pancake. How does that happen? I have three kids and a dog. <laughs> like things that just like, oh my god, how did this happen? If it makes me go, uh, it's got to go. Oh yeah,
1: so, <laughs> I thought you meant you like declutter, like cleaning up your closet, like twice a week. I'm like, damn, I don't have amazing. enough
2: to do that. I don't. That's I really, like yeah. during the during the pandemic, I got rid of. I made four categories in my closet and they were things. My mom gave me things. My aunt gave me things. My best friend gave me things that were purchased before the birth of my five-year-old baby. And then things I had bought for myself. This one right here was like the three outfits. And I realized like I had this closet full of clothes that I was not wearing. So that stuff had to go. Like, it's not me. I don't, how do you know? It's just the more you respond to that voice inside yourself that says, this is what I feel comfortable in, the easier it is to determine what belongs in your space and what doesn't. But though it's, it's like that decisiveness and that personal call to action. And, and it's, it, it's, the good news is if somebody's still listening this far into our conversation, they get it and they know that feeling. So if it's not happening today, that's fine. Get yourself a cup of tea and sit back, like watch some episodes of Bridgerton and eat some bonbons, but don't beat yourself up today. Think about what you want to do differently and then do it
0: differently.
1: Yeah. I've always been a big fan of like, so my mom used to do this to me when I was little was um, do it during the commercials. So it's basically like a two to three minute span of focus. And, like I've, and I still, I'm, that is one, something that still works for me today. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take two minutes. I'll put two minutes on the timer and I'm going to do whatever I can do in two minutes. And then Perfect. you're, I'm always amazed. I'm like, damn, I got the whole kitchen clean. And t- I mean, not deep cleaned, but dishes put away, dishes put in the dishwasher and wiped down in like, you know, a two minute time frame.
2: Yeah. It's and when amazing. you know, you have a beginning and an end to your thing, like that it's just going to be for that long. And it's going to be Concentrated, and you're not just like, well,
1: yeah. I think that's what this. happens, right? You get overwhelmed with Doing like, it. oh my god, this is going to take four days to clean out my garage. But if I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm just going to take this amount of time, and it, that's probably the hack that we all need. Is just like put a
0: timer on and uh-huh. just live in that timer. <clears throat> my aunt used to do this thing. She actually, it's a kind of a weird story, but she. Became a Jehovah's Witness. And Jehovah's Witness, I, I guess, believe in living very simply. They don't have a lot of material belongings. And she had a lot of stuff before she became a Jehovah's Witness. And so through her process of you know learning more about the faith and everything like that, she went through and like decluttered everything. And um, uh, <clears throat> she also has some health issues, some autoimmune issues, and so she found she would put a, a timer on. She had a timer. So this like before smartphones and all that, but she would put a timer on and, um, uh, f- 15 minutes on 15 minutes off. So she would get up and walk around 15 minutes. She would find things to get rid of. She, she had a, a rule of, she would get rid of at least three things every day after she went through that initial process. So three things that she doesn't use or, did, you know, it could be pieces of mail. It could be, a a note she had written or, you know, something like that, but she would get rid of at least three things every day. And so 15 minutes, she would get up, walk around, do something, and then she would rest for 15 minutes. And that was, that's, you know, kind of how she did things for years. And I always thought that was really interesting um, to kind of put that in perspective for someone at that point in my life, I was, you know, a teenager and, you know, didn't appreciate, you know, what she was actually doing at the time, but, having lived with my mother who I love dearly, but she's a collector of things. And, um, uh, you know, when finally getting out on your own and you're like, Oh, it, it it opened your eyes to like, Oh, I don't need all this stuff. And it's actually kind of freeing to not be around all these things. Mm -hmm. And then, Also, you know, going back home and visiting for the first time, you know, after you've been separated for a while, you're like, oh, wow, this is really overwhelming, (laughs) you know? So it's, it it, it does put things in perspective that, you know, the things, when you have a lot of things that you don't necessarily need or don't necessarily use on a regular basis that creates this other thing in your body and your physical, this physical reaction that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Um, until you're gone from, from from until you're separated from it for a while, and for me, it took like moving out of state and not being in the same state with with my parents to to realize what it was when I came back because right. I was so used to um, being around it, and um, it's very eye opening and it's freeing when you don't have all that stuff. So, Beth, you said yeah. you, you felt like a physical change in your body. Y- yeah, I mean. I didn't notice it at the time, like separating initially, but when I came back to it, it, that, that physical feeling of being like, Just anxiety. almost like, yeah, like anxiety. And I'm not a very anxiety anxiety. person to begin with. So like t- to feel that and be like, oh, wow, it's, it's a lot, of, st- a lot <laughs> of stuff. And, um, my mom's very organ. She's she's very organized about her stuff. So like she'll, she'll have things, but like, she'll have things within things. So she'll have containers within containers and put everything in baggies. And I, she's very organized with stuff. She's not living in squalor or anything like that, but never was, but she just has a lot of stuff. And I think a lot of that comes from being saturation. Yeah. It comes from being one of 10 and never really having really anything of her own. And then when she finally could, she'd kind of started keeping them like, Oh, I really like this. Or, Hey, I might use this, you know, also coming, living, living in that generation where you didn't have all the convenience items. So you kept things that could be useful for something else later down the road. And so she just kind of grew up with that. And so it was like, Oh, Hey, I have this cool Whip container that I'm, instead of putting in the recycle, I'm going to wash out and stick in a drawer that I might use one day. And, um, that is the kind of thing that would drive me insane. Like um, I didn't notice it at the time growing up, but then after I left, I'm like, why do we have all this random containers and crap <laughs> that right. you don't use? You, when you, when you go to put something away, you grab your regular Tupperware, you grab the stuff that, that you buy for that purpose. And so it's just, it's, I don't know, it's just interesting. And then in, in the physicalness of being separated, living around it, growing up around it, and then separating yourself and then coming back to it you're like oh it's very eye opening um so it, it, it it's not
2: it's not even it's not like it's oppressive but you can just feel the 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 walls closing in a little bit it's just like mm-hmm. a drawing that free breath and that's not to say that even cluttered environments can't feel like cozy or like a nice warm hug it's just like you know there and there or that even in the same home you could have rooms that have this wide open airy feel and then maybe another room that feels more like a little warm embrace like there you can cultivate that feeling it's that when the stuff is taking up so much space that it limits your freedom of movement or if you find that you're reaching for an item and you have to move more than two items to get to that item without causing an avalanche it's a, it's an issue because, and and that can be for some folks, I love the idea of like a, a container approach, like just what fits in the container, because it's not about, it's about quality over quantity, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is that like you take somebody like in a New York City apartment, like I said, postage stamp, but like Tim Gunn of Project Runway lives in one of those postage stamps that is impeccably designed and everything is going to be like totally detailed and and elegant you know it's not like you have to sacrifice to downsize necessarily but I think that part of our American mindset is this more 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 better faster cheaper stronger like and that the previous generations had this idea that they were working to make things better for us For the future generations and somewhere along the line, better got replaced with easier and easier isn't better. Like that it's, you know, some things when I lived on a mountaintop and we didn't have access to immediate grocery foods and, and like we didn't, we weren't close to a grocery store, but we had dry goods. It was like, you know, like, So if I wanted something the next day, I had to like soak the beans that night and get everything ready. Like think about it in preparation for this ongoing routine of, of life living life. It wasn't just like a, Oh, I can't find this thing or I need it right now. So I'm just going to go grab a different new one from outside of here. So I think that that's another piece of it is that when we have too many things and they're not effectively inventoried, it winds up eating into, um, our finances because you're purchasing the same item over and over and over again, because you can't find the one that you had that. And if it, if you can't find it when you need it, or you need it and you can't find it, it's of no use to you. It's like, why do you have it in the first place? So making the, creating this space, I think that to get back to what do you do moving forward, like when it's overwhelming and where do you start, you start by not bringing more in And it's that same, it's that five minutes matters or setting that timer for 15 minutes or for two minutes and just saying, I'm just going to work for this amount of time and being kind to yourself in the process, like be nice and don't tell yourself that you've failed for allowing things to get this way. Be grateful for having had the opportunity to accumulate this stuff. Get clear with your boundaries Mm -hmm don't let other people like another thing that happens is that people will just be like oh here have this stuff or like you know d- be being very clear about what you will and won't take on like when somebody's like oh i have this garage full of belongings that aren't even mine there like it's time to figure out when the kids do leave the nest what do they want to take with them because if they don't want to take it with them how much do you need to hang on to for your story How much do they want to take with them for their story? And then be okay with releasing the rest of it. We don't have to keep our yearbooks. Some people would think, how could you get rid of your yearbooks? Other people throw their yearbooks away every day. It just depends on how you feel about that kind of stuff and whether or not it's earning the real estate that it's taking up in your space and then how that
0: experience shows up in your body. And I think even like the, this new, like my daughter's generation, you know, my, my son and my daughter are growing up in a completely different world than I grew up where so much of the memories are electronic, you know, and so much of their interactions are even electronic that they don't have the same like tchotchkes and stuff or little pieces of memories that, you know, I kept from when I was younger you know, actually printed photos, you know, like they don't have a lot of those. I mean, like they get them on occasion, but like, they just don't have a lot of that stuff. Everything's here, you know, in their phone. And, and so I I think we're going to see a generation that accumulates less and less like material objects and more going more towards this elect. I mean, like there's so many things recently that I've seen, like, especially with like AI where like, people are going to have like, Houses like in this virtual world, and we will start purchasing items for their houses in these virtual. I'm like, this is crazy to me, um because we ha- we have those things in real life. I don't know. You can have those things in real life, but
2: well, and I always wonder, like in the future, future, like 500 years from now, when they're like excavating sites of how we lived back in this day, they'll be like, and then all of their printed records stopped in 2008 like everything from that like we only can find pictures back to 2008 what happened in 2008 like that everything disappeared it's like no it just all went on these little devices that you can only access with this technology that's probably completely obsolete by now so it's interesting
0: it is it's 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 so different and being and also like, I just think people say, oh, I have a friend who hates when I bring up like the, because she's a little younger than I am. And I fall into generation X and she falls a millennial and she swears. She's like, I'm not a millennial. And I'm like, yeah, you are, (laughs) but it's, she hates being categorized because they've been categorized as like the worst generation, like ever. And I hate that for her, but I mean, because she's one of the most like driven people. I know like she works, I mean, like she, she's a badass. She works hard. She, and, but I, I like to tease her with it because I'm like, you know, you, you know, you are, you fall in that generation based on your year, you know, you that's where you fall. But I think it's, there's, there's exceptions I think to the rule. Um, but gosh, you know, being somebody who's hired people before and, and there is, there is a different mindset there, I think, yeah. whereas, you know, we have just learned, I think as generation X, we've just learned to adapt to the old way of doing things, to the new way of doing things. And we may not be perfect at the new way, but we get, we have, we know we can get by, you know, we can get yeah. by with it. And I, I just, it's amazing to me how much things have changed so drastically in, in this regard in the, in the last 10 years it's just blows my mind
1: completely shifted completely shifted well with the pandemic it didn't help anything either yeah like like this last i mean i think you're gonna look back in history in these two last two years with every just all the social stuff and then this pandemic and oh it's been there's it's definitely i mean
2: i the before times is a real thing right we talk about the before times and and it is it's like there, I remember at the, the as the pandemic was first kicking off, I thought like, gosh, when they return to creating content like movies or TV shows or whatever, are they going to acknowledge this thing or are they going to go back to telling these stories where this thing didn't happen? And so I remembered like Grey's Anatomy was one of the first ones to come back on. And then uh, I was like, thank you. Like, <laughs> but now they like, cause they're just like completely wiped out. Right. For like a whole mini season, but then moving forward, they're like, all right, we're going to pretend like it's been dealt with. They have a disclaimer at the beginning of all their things. Like this is happening in a made up world where our current hospital systems are not being ravaged by this thing because, yeah, you know, like
1: well TV. sex in the well, it's not called sex in the city. Yet. What is it called? Right. That and that and just like that. And just like that. They yeah. they're like, yeah, they're probably the same. Like, oh, it's been so long since we could stand six feet together. Like they've made mention of it, but basically right. in the world, it's not uh, it's not there anymore.
2: You know what's interesting about that show is that they did the same thing with 9-11. And like you can really see at the beginning of I think it's season four. Was the first time they had started shooting again after 9-11 had happened and they kind of had to acknowledge that this thing had happened in their city but it was the, it was just like it changed the tone of like everything shifted you know from that day so i think even just that sort of pre like th- that chapter from 9-11 to covid is going to be a really interesting chapter yeah. in our time. you see how much stuff shifted because that Facebook happened pretty much right. Smack dab in the middle of all that.
1: Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, I think that, that the less attached we can be to the extraneous stuff in our belongings, probably the easier it'll be for us to coast through this experience and maintain quality connections with folks.
1: I think, like, these belongings and stuff, like, as we're talking about our kids, right, in the future, I'm so happy if people are, people become less uh, um, uh, of absorbing material things. Like, you know, you go disposable clothing, like, I'd love to get rid of it. I'd love, you know, my husband, he will spend, you know, $200 on a pair of whatever, but it lasts him 15 Mm -hmm. years. And it's, you know. I mean, he buys the, your basics. It's hard with the trends going in and out, but it would be nice. Like,
2: but the classic styles yeah. are classic for a reason.
1: Yeah,
2: and and it is that that sort of. I think that's the the piece that to kind of bring it all back. That the fact that we were fed as we were growing up this idea that more would make you happier yeah. and would be the thing that would set you up for success. And now that that we're at this point where we're inheriting the keys to the kingdom because everybody, you know, it's time for the generations to hand down the power. We look at what we're inheriting and it's actually kind of a dumpster fire. And we're trying to mitigate that stuff so that our kids have the best shot at creating the lives that they want for themselves on their own terms without having to be saddled with all of our expectations and all of our big bulky antiques That, you know, if they want to shop through that stuff, let them, but don't put it on them.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting though. If these kids are more minimalist, what will be their baggage? I mean, you're going to have baggage, right? You're going to have it show up. What's it going to be? Is it all just going to be the social stuff?
2: The lack of human connection. That's why we have to, that's where the massage piece comes back in. Because something happens when you put your hands with therapeutic intention on another person with no demand for like very rarely do we as humans get to experience touch that's not a precursor to sex or violence once we're past childhood age and and some of us like you're saying Dana some of us don't even get to grow up in households where that's a really common thing but that's what we need to evolve it's not the stuff it's the connections yeah
1: We need to stand out there. I love the videos of people standing out there with blindfolds and like, do you need a hug today? And it's so moving. Like the people come up and it's so many times it's men too. They come up and they give a hug to the other, the person that's offering the hug. And a lot of times they'll start almost crying, like, Mm -hmm. because men are probably more in need of that than women. Like if I see Beth, I would give Beth a hug. She would give me a hug. Um, but I don't, you know, you never see men, men really do
0: that. My first time out, like at, after you know, pandemic lockdown, where you pretty much have been locked locked up in your house for months. You know, we did the whole online. You know, because I had health issues, like I didn't go anywhere. Like I worked from home, I uh, ordered my groceries from home, and my husband would go and pick them up. And you know, I'm, I mean, I very rarely left the house and the first time i remember venturing out and going to a grocery store i ran into my friend jenna who is a good friend of mine and we had talked you know like but i hadn't seen her and she's not like my very best friend but we're we're pretty we're pretty good friends and i saw her and we were in costco and i started crying in the middle of costco and i, I you know we're both wearing masks and i was like and you're not, you're supposed to social distance, but I just went right up to her and I gave her a hug. Said, I'm sorry. I'm hugging you because I haven't seen you in like six months. And, you know, it was just so, it was just such a surreal feeling because I am a very, um, like I, I, I need people in my, I need people in my life and not that my family wasn't sufficient for me. They absolutely were, but like, I have, I mean, I have friends and girlfriend support and that kind of thing. And just for the first time seeing somebody after being locked up for so long and just feeling, you know, we had done zoom meetings and stuff like that, but just like in-person is completely different and that interaction and that, um, you know, honestly, that just that physical touch, that hug was very important in that point in time. And yeah, we were breaking the rules, but I didn't care.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's
0: the first time I saw my
2: best girlfriend after being separated for over a year and again, we were on the phone all the time. So it didn't like mentally, I didn't think that, I mean, it was just like, Oh, I haven't seen you, but we had just been locked down with families. And, and so she has her husband and her adult son had come home to stay with them. So, but I, I leaned it like we were hugging and she just said to me, she's like, like melting into my arm. She's like, Oh, boobs. I haven't felt boobs on me in so long. And it was just such a funny thing. She was just like, I've been getting plenty of big old man hugs, but I just like, I needed a my girlfriend hug. Like, it was just so funny to me. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, I got, all, I've got kids. I got all, all of them all over the place. I got no shortage. My, <laughs> my daughter hit puberty during, uh, during lockdown. So I've been having plenty of grown-up
1: bonus. <laughs> you got a yeah, bonus, right. bonus. <laughs> all right go. yeah <laughs> oh lordy oh so all right so kira so we're, we'll start wrapping this up but so we always ask our guests if they would uh tell us a time when somebody was somebody or something happened to you that was very kind and unexpected
2: i will tell you This, this just literally just came to me and it really was very recent. Um, it was the, probably just before Thanksgiving, I came out of my office space where I do massage on a Sunday evening and it was dark and I have a black minivan and I saw a little slip of paper on the, under the windshield. And it was a Sunday evening. I was like, I do not have a ticket. This is some BS. So I pulled the piece of paper out and it was a neatly printed note that said, um, my sincerest, deepest apologies. This is my name. This is my number. I hit your car and uh, please contact me at your earliest convenience um, so that we can make arrangements. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm looking at, they said it's on the right the past the driver's side front bumper. I went and looked, I literally could not see a thing in the dark. And so I'm shining my phone on it. It is like the tiniest little sliver of a ding that, and it's, you know, it's a new enough that, I mean, it was like, it's a 2018. It's probably the nicest thing I own. So I, you know, I want to take care of it. But honestly, if this person had not told me that that ding was going to be there, I would not have even known. So they said, please, you know, I, I texted them. I said, thank you so much for leaving a note that makes you right off the bat. One of the coolest people walking today. Um, and I'll see what I can do. They said, please, by all means, go get an estimate and let me know what it is as soon as possible so we can take care of it. So I went and got the estimate. Now, I'm, when I tell you, I mean, if I took my thumbnail and popped it, it like, maybe you'd see, there is no, I couldn't, I could bail. I still forget that it's even there, that little ding, because it was so it's barely it's imperceptible, but because of where it falls on the thing, it's like an $1,800 fixed job. So I was like, uh, I, you know what, just because you're cool. I don't want to do anything. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I feel bad. Like this makes me feel bad. You shouldn't have to report it. You shouldn't have to whatever. And they said, what's your Venmo? So I gave it to them and they sent me more than half of what it would have cost to get it fixed. Now this is somebody I never made any kind of contact with outside of texting. I mean, they certainly didn't even have to leave a note. But what it meant was that I was able to like literally create Christmas for my children in a way that I didn't think was going to be, I didn't know where that was going to come from in this, like after, so, and it was just like, you literally are an amazing human being. And I, I like, I hope that you, I please go take some money and buy yourself some scratch off tickets because I'm hoping that you win the grand prize. Like you're an awesome human being. And this person was just like, this has been done to me before. And it really sucks. And everybody that I talked to can't believe how cool you are about it. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? So it's that kind of thing, stuff that people really, really don't have to do, Yeah. but they show up authentically in the world. I don't know what this meant for this person, but what it meant for me was that I got to create an experience for my children that I don't know how I would have provided otherwise. So it was pretty phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Well, that's just somebody being a good human being. I always leave a note. I always, but I have caught people hitting my car and driving off and, and I'm like, really? They're like, Oh, I don't get it. Just be a good person. It's going to come back to you. It will come. Yeah, it, it sure will. That's why I'm like, go buy a scratch off. Yeah. Go. Yeah. In. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So we also ask our guests to, um, we challenge our listeners to do something kind in a simple way, nothing major. Um, and so we wanted to see if you would like to challenge everybody to do something kind for the week.
2: Oh, for the week. I mean, it could be I for would the month. Like, um, I think that in all honesty, whoever is, I, you know what I'm feeling like, the probably the people that, that are listening to your show probably are the kind of people that go out of their way to be kind to folks all the time anyway. So I'm like, I'm hoping that somebody does something kind for them. Be nice to your, be nice to service industry people. Tip a little bit extra. That's what I like to say as somebody who was uh, in the service industry for a really long time. If you're in a position to be able to leave an extra two to five bucks on your bill, it's um, something that may not make that big of a difference to you, but it could make all the difference to your server. Be kind That's to your server. Great
1: one.
0: That's a great one. I love that one. I was going to say, I love, um, I love this one. Um, and recently, have you seen in the news where a couple of people have done this? where there was like a group, I think it was a group of like realtors or something or meeting for something. They were meeting and there was like 18 of them and they each um, brought in an, an extra hundred dollar bill with the intent of tipping the server this um, this huge tip. And they posted it on social media and they ended up getting like more donations and it ended up being like a $4,200 um tip for this waitress who it was because the table was so large there was two of them but the other waitress got sick and had to leave in the middle of it so she was still going to split it she didn't get fired over it because i saw that
2: oh it made yeah, me so mad right because they were supposed to
0: pull the tips yeah that's that wasn't thing their that... policy it was no, only it their wasn't. policy because she got this huge tip and right. that's that's to me is like awful like I've done it. I did it. Thankfully, you know, I'm blessed to be in a position to where I I can do things like that. And recently I've done, done it a couple of times where I've tipped, you know, a really, a really decent amount just because, you know, it was around the holidays and especially if somebody was like super, you know, was superb service, you know, like I just was like, you know, thank you. That was, and I've worked in the industry too before. And so I know what it's like and you know, I know it's like when you get a, a you're in the service industry and you get a table full of 12 year old boys and they oh. pay you in quarters and <laughs> run out yeah. on the run out
2: on the check. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what else? Yeah. I love doing it for nice people, but you know what else? I really love doing it even when I have like some snarky service. I like to leave a little bit extra and just be like, I hope your day gets better. Yeah. And then what that will do to somebody who's just been salty to you, like they're like. They want it. They can't. It's just like it can really crack somebody wide open when they're not expecting that kind of kindness. But the other thing I would suggest to anybody who's listening to this is be kind to yourself. Honestly, like the next time you hear that inner critic say something snarky, you don't have to be snarky back to shut it up, but you can just be sweet to it and say, oh, what do you need right now? somebody's needs aren't being met. you know Beth as a baby whisperer and as a when when somebody's tantruming like when I see kids tantruming, I'm like, dude, I feel you it's simpatico i I'm doing the same thing, but it's been conditioned out of me to why to wail like I wanna yeah. but when they're it's they just need to be heard somebody's needs need to be met so be yeah. kind to your servers and be kind to yourself.
1: That's good. I like it. I like it. Well, thank I like you. y'all. Yeah. We, you're like you. we like you. We, it's funny. Cause we were going to talk about something totally different and then we ended up, so we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back and we'll talk. about. I, hey, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'll be here. Yeah. We'll talk. Cause we kind of started to touch on it, touch on, um, just the generational adulting, basically mm-hmm. adulting and Are we are we doing it? Are we doing the adulting that we're supposed to be doing? Um, or has been told that we are supposed to do, I suppose. I'm Um, guessing
2: that like if we could take the best from our great great grandparents with what our kids have to offer and blend those somehow, I think we'll be on the right track.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have you back. It was pretty awesome. Thanks for all your stories and your tips and uh I know we would like to, I, I want to just know who, whose houses have you been in? Like, who's the dirtiest?
2: <laughs> the person I told you about was the dirtiest, but the person uh, that has the most notoriety that I've been in, I would say was Kid Rock. I've folded Kid Rock's underwear, but. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> not, not necessarily bragging rights, Yeah, but uh, that is a little, probably the most uh, I have, I have tidied some spaces that wound up being um, the receiving grounds for people such as uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton during mm-hmm. her New York Senate run. Paul Simon. Like uh, I've been able to to create some spaces where I could sit back and watch other people enjoying my work. But
1: it's nice. It's uh-huh. cool. New York City. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll off we'll have to talk about New York another time. Any day. That's that's super fun. All right. Well, Beth, I hope you feel better. Poor little thing's been coughing through this whole thing. <laughs> uh, so,
0: all right. Yeah. Well, thank you thank for, you, <laughs> oh, thanks. For thank you. It. I'm oh.
2: just, I'm so, I feel so, uh, honored and flattered that, that I could be, uh, one of the first on the other side of your healing journey and <laughs> the new year.
1: Now you have to go meditate. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I'm gonna find me a, a something to download, try it. Yeah.
0: So um, the um, the Duke has started doing some of those sleep stories. Oh. I I saw one and thought about you ladies today.
2: Like right before that, I was like, ooh, I need to tell them about that. You could just wake up listening to the Duke talk about the naturalist. The no, princess. I mean like
0: I just want him to be like, you are so beautiful. Like yes. you're gonna have an amazing day. Like I just need him to talk to me. it'll all be good
1: (laughs) there's something wrong with you so when wait bridgerton's supposed to come out in march right
0: hop on it i actually don't know
1: i think it's march
0: i hadn't heard that but that excites me yes Yes. so we'll y'all do outlander outlander's supposed to be coming soon too i love me outlander all right i'm still not completely through um outlander i was watching it last night actually so yeah Get it.
1: Outlander is hot. I love it when they move to well, I don't know where you're at. Spoiler, they moved to America. Well, I guess
2: it's not really it's really I I those storylines are awesome. I think they're very timely. They're
0: very timely.
1: Yeah. I love them. I'm in, I'm into Ted Lasso right now. Like
0: oh, um, I love that one. Oh my
1: god. It's so feel good. Like I just I just love him. I want to be him in his positive outlook. Like he's just so cute. Cute little Ted. Okay. Well, ladies. Y'all are awesome. It was nice to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Kira. So welcome. All right. We will be back another day next week. We're back in the swing of things. All right. All right, everybody take care. Thank you for joining us on What the Forty-ish. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear some more, please hit that subscribe button, leave us a review or share with your friends. We would love for you to follow us on Instagram at WhatThe40-ish.
0: And remember, we're all just trying to make it through. So do something kind for someone else today. Even a smile goes a long way.